Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, life can be such a grind at times, and so we're here sharing God's Word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the host of the Grind It Podcast, the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today we're going to break down or start breaking down Hebrews chapter 12, one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible, in particular the New Testament, because Hebrews chapter 12 is where we get our verses for this podcast, the Grind It Podcast from Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 through 3, and we'll take a look at that in just a little bit, but there's only one more chapter left in the book of Hebrews after we get through with Hebrews chapter 12. And Hebrews chapter 12 is absolutely the pinnacle of the letter. It's where he reaches his tipping point. And the author, I've said this many, many times throughout these podcasts with this the book of Hebrews, the author, he's been encouraging these Jewish Christians to stick with Jesus. I mean, these people are they're tired. They're worn out, uh, you know, kind of like what we are today. But but theirs is different because they've been suffering from persecution. Uh, they have been following Jesus. They have left Judaism. Uh, they put their faith in Jesus, the Messiah, uh, and and because of their faith in Jesus and and living for Jesus, they have been beaten. Uh, they have been jailed. They have lost their possessions. And they're tired, and so they're 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 thinking about going back into Judaism where it's safe, and their family's not being threatened. And in fact, the way uh, I believe it was Hebrews ten uh, read that some of them have even made that decision to go back into Judaism already. And so he is he is pinning this letter to this audience uh, to encourage them to stay with Jesus. Yes, you're tired, but you got to endure. You got to cross that finish line. And that's the message he keeps pounding into their heads over and over again, just to encourage them to keep on keeping on and walking with Jesus. Uh, in chapter 11, he gave them, uh, example after example from the Old Testament of people who walked by faith. These people had promises from God and they were willing to uh, follow God, trusting that God would be faithful and come through with those promises. And so when he gets through uh, with Hebrews chapter 11, and I, I just being honest here, I, I didn't go into a whole lot of detail with those uh, examples of faith, those heroes of faith, if you will, you can go and read Hebrews 11 on your own and, and go back into the Old Testament. And you can find all of those stories and, and, and hear uh, those people's stories. And I, and I encourage you to do so because th- those their stories are very encouraging. And what we find out is how, pe- how God used people uh, that are just like you and me, just ordinary uh, your average everyday Joes. And and God took those people, those men, those women, and used them to usher in the Messiah, to, to bring us our Savior, Jesus, into the world. And, we, and you can even find their names, many of them, uh, like Rahab uh, the harlot in, in uh, the genealogy of Jesus and, and many others that he mentions in Hebrews chapter 11. So when he gets through uh, writing about these heroes of faith, he's going to start chapter 12 off by saying, therefore, 
And whenever there is a therefore in the Bible, uh, we need to know what the therefore is there for. What 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 is he? What is the author going to do uh, to tell us what that therefore is there for? What, it, what how is he going to trans? He's making a transition. He's taking this thought, and 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 then he's saying, okay, we have this specific thought. Therefore, I'm going to give you a different thought to take action with. And so what is that thought beforehand? And, and, and it's really a buildup from Hebrews chapter 1 all the way to Hebrews chapter 11. And um, what the author, it, it, this really intrigues me because I grew up playing sports my whole life and, and still try to play some to this day. But um, I don't play as much sports as I used to, but still a huge sports fan. Um, but what what he's going to do is he's going to give a sports analogy. And, and he's going to compare walking with God or walking with Jesus, our faith in Christ, to um, a race and running a race. Uh, and he's, he says in verses 1 through 4, which, by the way, is the, uh, the, the base verses for the Grounded Podcast, as I mentioned earlier at the beginning. But he says, therefore, and there it is, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he's seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not given your lives in your struggle against sin. So, the first thing I want to point out in, in these, and we won't get past these verses today. This is going to be it, but it's going to take a few minutes to get through. Uh, this, there's a lot to unpack just in those first four verses. But the first thing that uh, I thought about when I was reading this is Neyland Stadium. Now, I, I'm a huge Tennessee fan. I, I went to the University of Tennessee to take Hispanic studies. I've been to a lot of football games at Neyland Stadium back to when they what, was running around 104,000 or so. I can't remember now, but uh, they did some remodeling. It went down to 102, uh, and now they've remodeled again this year, so I, maybe the numbers even dropped even more. But I've, I've been to a lot of games, and, and, and I've been down on field level and – it, it, the the crowd, especially on third downs when the other team is on offense and we're on defense, it, the crowd is just into it and everybody's yelling, ah! and everybody's going crazy and everybody's all hyped up and the band's jamming, and, and you know we're trying to get the other team to to get a penalty or whatever. It, but my point is, it is so loud down there on the field that you literally have to take your hands. And, and cup your hands together and yell like put them up up to, to to the person that you're with your friend. You put your hand up to their ear and you're literally screaming into their ear because it is that loud and they can still barely hear you. I, I can only imagine if you're a football player out there on the field how loud that must be because it's all coming to that central point, all that noise, and it'd be so loud and you can't hear 
Well, that's exactly what the author of Hebrews is is telling his audience right here. He he's saying all of those he all of those heroes of faith from Hebrews chapter eleven that he had just written about in the chapter before. He said all of those people and others. They're 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 a, they're like a crowd. They're they're surrounding us, or they're they're surrounding his audience that he's writing to, and and they're cheering the people on to not give up but to keep going. And if you've ever been involved in sports, you know exactly what I'm talking about because you get tired out there, and and, and you, you know you kind of start dragging a little bit, and and all of a sudden that crowd just gets you know gets all excited and gets you all pumped up and gets you going, and you get that second win, and you're like whoo, and you know and, and you get going again. But that's what the author is saying here. He's saying you're not alone. Yes, you're going through this hard time. Yes, you're going through this persecution. Yes, you're going through this struggle. But you're not alone. You might not be able to see this crowd of faith. But they are surrounding you and they are cheering you on. They're, they're, they're telling you to keep going and to not give up on this race. To stay with Jesus. To stay the course. Yes, because they too suffered persecution. Jesus himself suffered persecution. And that's the example that he's going to give there in verses 3 and 4. And, and he, said, uh, he says that we've we, we got to keep going. We we gotta take some energy from that crowd that is cheering us on and, and keep on keeping on to keep walking in faith with Jesus and not to give up. He says uh, the second thing he says is let us strip off every weight that slows us down. I don't know if you've ever watched athletes train, um, but many times what an athlete will do uh, is tie weights to their body and and uh, whether that be running or jogging or uh, and maybe you've done that you know you, you've seen those wrist weights and those ankle weights that you can put on you put or you, you got the vest of weights I know uh, football players will tie a big 45 pound weight uh, uh, behind them or maybe a little bit more weight than that depending on how strong they are and they run as fast as they can run, and they're dragging that weight behind them. Well, what's that weight doing? It's slowing them down, but it's making all their leg muscles stronger and stronger. But the second they take that weight off, it's shoom, they can fly, they can go. And I, I grew up playing baseball, and I remember being in the on-deck circle and waiting for my turn, turn to bat, and uh, uh, we had these things called donuts because they look like a donut, literally. And but they were weights, and you you throw them on your bat and put a couple of donuts on there, and you're up there in the uh, on deck circle, and you're you're timing the pitcher, and you're timing his release, and you're timing his pitches, and you're swinging when the ball comes down to the batter, and you know you're trying to get your timing down. But the the, the donuts that weight on your bat it, it slows your bat speed way down. But then uh, it's your turn to bat, and you pop that bat on the ground, and those donuts pop off, and you go walking up to home plate. And now you you've got the timing down, you got his release down, you've been watching him, and and then here comes the pitch. Well, now that the weight is off your bat, that bat feels light as a feather, and your bat speed, which makes the ball go harder and farther when you hit it, your bat speed is so much faster because the weight 
is they're they're no longer on there anymore. And so naturally the bat is lighter and you can swing it a lot faster. Well, that that's what the Hebrew author is saying here. He 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 says he says, "Let us strip off every weight that slows us down." Well, you know, we, we don't we don't want to be slowed down. We we want to go. Or at least I do. That's the way I live my life. I want to go, man. That's, that's why when we're in traffic, we 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 want them slow people to get out of our lane, get out of our get out of our way. I got places to go. I gotta go, go, go. I got things to do. I got people to see. I got errands to run. And, and you're like a weight. You're just in my way. You're slowing me down. You know. And and so we we don't like that. And and and, and what happens is. We get all this baggage because of life. I mean, let's just be real here. Life is difficult. Life is hard. Yeah, life is great, but life is difficult. And and bad things are going to come our way. Bad things are going to happen. Storms are going to come. Uh, valleys are going to come. I mean, I, I don't mean to be negative or uh, or uh, be a doomsdayer here, but that's just the way life is. It's full of, of ups and downs. And, and, and so we get this baggage because of life and that baggage it just it gets heavy and it slows us down it weighs us down and and the author is saying hey strip off all of that weight that slows you down and 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 here's the thing about we don't even have to guess what that weight is because he tells us what that weight is he says that that weight or the main weight that slows us down i should say is sin but but I'm going to point out something uh, in particular that he says about sin. He says uh, he says lay off. Let me go back up here to my verses. He says therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin. And here it is. You know, cast off, strip off every weight. What's the weight? Especially the sin, and here it is, that so easily trips us up. If you're a runner in a race, the one thing that you don't want to do is to trip or to slip. I mean, if you think about it, if you're, if you're at the starting uh, point, the starting gate, and you wait for that gun to go off, and, and and the gun goes off, pow, and, and, and everybody takes off running. Well, you could be the fastest runner on the track. But if you slip on the takeoff, you're going to be behind. And you're going to probably stay behind because everybody else is fast as well. If you're running track and, and, and you're in the lead, you don't want to trip. And I, this is embarrassing to say, but I, I've tripped over my own two feet many a times. Not even running a race, just walking. And and what happens? We we fall. Well, what happens to a runner if they fall? Well, they're going to get behind. Uh, they could get injured, and they could even if their injury's bad enough, they could be taken out of the race. A runner does not want to trip. Because that can make him or her lose the race. It's definitely going to cost them some time. But if it's bad enough, it, like I said, it could take them out of the race because of an injury. 
and the Hebrew author says that it, it, you know, this sin, it, it, it so easily trips us up. And, and, and we all like to think that we're strong. We're strong-minded, we're strong-willed, we're strong people. But you can look at back throughout the Bible, and you could think of some the the strongest people of faith. All of those people in Hebrews chapter eleven, a lot of them were strong, but every one of them had flaws. Every one of them was weak when it come to sin. And so we like to think that you know I, I, I've been a Christian for. 40 years, 50 years, or 30 years, or 20. I've been studying the Bible. I've got a Bible degree. I, you know, I, I, just whatever. I've been going to church my whole life. I've been listening to preachers. I've been listening to podcasts. I've been doing all this stuff, and my faith is so strong. But in the blink of an eye, sin could take over. I mean, you think about preachers who have sinned, and they've had this huge, huge ministry. I, I can sit here and, and on one hand and count just spontaneous, boom, 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 preachers that have had thousands attending their church services. Church is growing like wildfire. And the next thing you know, they're caught in adultery. And and they, they lose their ministry. They lose their church. They have to step down. And it, it, it it's so, so sad. I had this one preacher I was listening to just not even six to eight months ago that his sermons were just ministering to uh to me and in and, and to my life and and his church was just growing and growing and growing like crazy and people were coming from all over to to go to his services and next thing you know what well, he's stepping down because he got caught in, in, in having an affair and the guy's got children and, and it, it, it's just it's just sad i mean uh, other preachers, you know, they uh, in the past that the, these TV preachers they get caught with prostitutes, even though they're married and got this big ministry going on. And it, it, I mean, it here's my point: it doesn't take much sin. It, it 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 can it can happen to anybody. We all sin. Romans three twenty three. We are all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. And so. You know, don't put your faith in, or trust in a person or a man or a woman. Put your trust and your faith in God who is faithful and he will never let you down. People will let you down. But my point is that sin comes easily. It, sin comes very easy. And don't, Paul says, uh, uh, I believe it's Paul that says, "Take uh, if you think you stand, take heed lest you fall. And it does not take much. And Satan knows our weaknesses. The devil knows how to tempt us and how to get us to get our focus off of Jesus and on to whatever, to whatever sin that attracts us. He knows our weaknesses and he knows what to use against us and he will absolutely use it. So it's easy to sin and 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 many times we're not even looking for it. We're not even expecting it. It just comes out of nowhere and if we're not careful, like that runner who who, who who's running fast and hard and all of a sudden they trip and they get injured and they have to be taken out of the race that's exactly what sin does to a christian when we sin what we have to do is deal with it quickly not dilly dally around with it you know not cuddle it because it's not a cute little puppy dog or a cute little kitten or anything sin is 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 
it's terrible. It's awful. It affects not only the person who committed the sin, but it, it commits uh, it. Uh, it affects their family. It affects their their children. It affects their friends. It affects their coworkers. It affects all kinds of people. And so we we, we have when we do sin, we have to deal with it quickly um, and not let it um, fester or whatever, not let it grow. Um, that's why the Bible says over and over again when it comes to sin, especially uh, uh, sexual sin, the Bible says flee from it over and over again. Avoid sin at all costs. And that's not always easy. Uh, and I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, it's not easy. Um, sin is fun. Uh, it's fun for a season. The consequences from the sin is not fun at all. Um, it's enticing. It's very enticing. So we, we have to be careful. We have to be on guard. On guard. That's why uh, the Bible says over and over again, be sober, be, be vigilant. Um, because your adversary, the devil, he's, roar, he's walking about to and fro, and he's seeking whom he may devour. And that's exactly what sin does. It devours us. It, de- it, it devours everything. It just ruins our lives. It ruins our ministry. And so we have to be careful because people are watching. If they know you follow Jesus, if they know I follow Jesus, people are just watching and waiting like a lion over or a, a tiger over there in the grass hiding out just ready to pounce if we fall. So if we sin, deal with it immediately. But that's that that's the weight that he's talking about. This sin that so easily trips us up. So just, my point is be careful. Be cautious and keep your eyes on Jesus, that, and that's exactly what he, he he's going to tell him and tell us. But he says another thing that he says is, "And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us." So, as I said a while ago, he compares our walk with God to a race, and he's been doing this throughout the whole letter. For example, he talks about crossing the finish line several on several different occasions, and here he says that we are to run this race with endurance. Um, I started a ministry several years ago called I Hope. I got the banner hanging over here on the wall. Each little uh, character, the I-H-O-P-E, it all stands for something. It all has a meaning. Um, But I-H-O-P-E stands for I Help Other People Endure. I Help Other People Endure. And I, I, I enjoy helping people. I, I, it, it, it just, uh, the Bible says over and over again, we're to be givers and, and, and we're not to be selfish, but selfless. And I just, I love helping people because life is hard. And, um, just, uh, I don't, if, if it's just sharing little Debbie cakes with the homeless, which I do a lot on my route and seeing the smile on their face and, and hearing them say, hey, I, I love you. Thank you for this. And I mean, just this past week, I had a guy tell me he's been eating dog food because he didn't have any food. He's been eat, getting dog food to, to, to live and to survive. And I said, dude, don't, 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 you don't have to do that. Anytime you see me, you, you let me know you're going to have food. 
Um, nobody should, no, no human being should have to be eating dog food to live. But that's what he, that's what he was doing to survive. But I help other people endure. And like I said, well, life is, life is hard, man. Life will, life will kick the crap out of you and, and it'll leave you on the ground, uh, just thriving and, or thriving in pain, um, and when when life gets that way, the the easiest thing to do is kind of like just go into isolation, just to draw back and, and and get away from everybody and just shut yourself off from the world. But but as Christians, as Christ followers, we don't have that option because we're supposed to be out there living an example and sharing our faith with others. Um, and so he says, endure. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We are to we are to endure. And what to me what endure means is when hard times come our way, when we go through a life challenge and it knocks us down, we got to get back up. We can be beat up, we can be battered, we can be bruised, but we have to get up and take another step. And then another step. And then another step. And no matter what happens, we keep getting up and we keep on walking. We keep taking steps. And in particular, we take steps that draw us closer to God. Because that's where we find our help. That's where we find our strength to keep going. And we'll see that here in just a second from what he says about Jesus. But if you think about it, so many people have quit. They've given up. Many people commit suicide. You know, my dad committed suicide when I was three years old. I know how that affects people, and it's not good. And it, and it stays with the people who are left behind for the rest of their lives and with a bunch of questions that cannot be answered. Uh, and, and it's very difficult to deal with. Um, but, but also you see people who hadn't committed suicide, but yet they're, they're drugged out, they're, they're, they're just alcoholed out their uh their just their life is just so empty and 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 they've tried to fill this void that god can only fill with all this other junk because they have given up and they've just let themselves go um they decided that they could not endure life anymore and hey I, i understand i get it um I've dealt with a lot of crap in my 49 years of life. Uh, I, about 10, 11 years ago, I, I, I was in the deepest, most darkest depression that I've ever been in um, in my life. It was a struggle just to survive a day. Um, and I won't go into any detail about that. Many people know uh, uh, what I what. I had to endure and what I had to deal with, including stepping down uh, from the pulpit full time. Um, that's when I started getting all my tattoos uh, and uh, turned to alcohol, turned to pain pills, and uh, it was rough, very, very difficult time back then. So I, I, I understand um, the struggles that life throw our way. Um, but I got back up and I kept walking and I kept my eyes on Jesus 
I continue to keep my eyes on Jesus. And I've been knocked down since. But you know what? I continue to get back up and keep going. So when, I, when, I'm, when I'm telling you this stuff about running this race and how life is hard and life's a struggle, I, I totally get it. I totally understand why people give up. I totally understand why people quit. But I'm living proof that if you get up and keep walking, it gets better. It just, it, 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 God will help you. I promise you. God will give you strength. But you have to get up. You have to endure. And you have to keep going. And that's what he's, uh, he is begging, literally begging his readers, the, the author of Hebrews. Uh, he, he's, he's saying, you're not alone. You've got this crowd that's surrounding you and they're cheering you on. So you've got to keep going. You've got to get up. And, and, and so um, this crowd is, you know, just feed off of them. They've been through it. They, they've already crossed the finish line and they're urging you to do the same thing. So draw strength from the crowd that's cheering you on and get up, man, and, and get up, lady, and, and keep going. And if you've reached a point that you can't go anymore, that you're thinking about giving up, you're thinking about ending your life or, or whatever, you're struggling with alcohol, you're struggling with a drug addiction, reach out. Reach out to me, thegroundedpodcast at gmail.com. Let's talk. Let's have a conversation. Uh, I, I would love to help you in any way that I can. And, and, and not to condemn you by any stretch of means. Not to judge you. No way. That's not my place to do. I, I totally come from a place of understanding because I've been there. Been down that road myself. So I, I, I understand. And I want to help uh, any way that I can. But in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, um. It says, do not fear what you're about to suffer. It's Jesus talking. Behold the devil. See, he says, do not fear what you're about to suffer. So they're going to suffer. He's talking to these Christian people. These people are following him. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison so that you'll be tested. And you will have tribulation for ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. In Matthew 24, 9-13, Jesus says, you'll be arrested. He's talking to his disciples. He says, you'll be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated for you will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. So Jesus is saying... Hey, hard times are going to come. You're going to suffer persecution. The devil's going to come against you. Life is going to be hard, but you got to keep on. You cannot stay down. You have to get back up, and, and you have to put one foot in front of the other. It was on one of the kids' shows. I can't remember which one it was. But you got to keep walking. you got you got to keep your eyes on Jesus, and you got to just endure. And that's what the Hebrew author is saying then. But here's the thing. The Hebrew author says, that it is God who put us in this race. And, you know, it, it, so many times people get mad at God. But it, God is here to help. He's not here to hinder. He's not here to, uh, uh, you know, strike us down with lightning from heaven. Um, I was watching a TV show uh, a couple nights ago, and, and uh, they all got invited to church. None of them wanted to go to church because it just wasn't a part of their life. But yet, this person basically drug them in, made them go, and uh, 
the person, uh, the lady was sitting here watching the person, and he says, why are you staring at me for? And she said, because I, I want to see it when the lightning strikes. You know, in other words, you're in God's house, and he's just to strike you down because you're such a, a, a horrific sinner. That's not God. That's not God at all. He, God... God put us in this race. He's given us all a purpose. And, without, and I will say this, outside of God, we have no purpose. God is our purpose. Living for Jesus, he gives us purpose. But it, 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 here's the thing about um, God putting us in this race. Uh, a lot of times this race looks chaotic. But you can rest assured that God is always in control. He, when, when hard times come in our life, when life challenges come our way, God, God's not caught off guard. He he knew what was coming. He he wasn't caught off guard. He wasn't surprised by anything that happens to us or anything that happened to his son Jesus. He he knew it all. He knew it was coming. And and so he knows what we're dealing with, right? Jesus said that uh, the Hebrew author says that Jesus, uh, uh, he walked on this earth. He was tempted in every way that we are, and yet he never sinned. So he, he, he knows what we're going through. And he's here to help. And that's why the Hebrew author said in previous chapters that we can go straight to the throne of God. We can go boldly before the throne of God and find help in time of need. But God is in control. God is sovereign. And I know a lot of people don't want to hear that today. A lot of people don't want to think about that today. And a lot of people don't believe that today. But God is sovereign. Well, what what does that mean? Well, I heard a TV preacher when I was younger. He summed up uh, uh, that God is sovereign by saying this. He said, "He said uh, God is sovereign." And what I mean by God is sovereign, he says, it means that God is God and you ain't. And that's exactly how he put it. God is God and you ain't. And so God is in control, it, it, even though it may not look like it. God is in control, and you can you can take that one too. The bank, and so the Hebrew author he says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. And and here's the thing: the author doesn't leave us hanging there. He he, he doesn't say get in the race and good luck to you. Hope you hope you do well. No, he he he's like a coach. He. He actually gives us some instructions on how to run the race. Because he goes on to say, we do this. We run the race. We, we're in this race of faith and walk with Jesus. We run this race by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Just a few thoughts on, on, on those two verses. The first one is Jesus has finished the race. Jesus actually entered the race. He actually, God in the flesh, was born a baby, lived a normal life as a kid, as a teenager, up until he was 30 years old. He's baptized by John the baptizer. Filled with the, the Holy Spirit comes down when he comes up out of the water. And his ministry is started at the age of 30. And it lasts for about three to three and a half years until he was crucified on the cross, which was his mission. And then three days later, he come up out of that tomb victorious. He showed himself alive to over 500 people, Paul says. He showed himself alive to all of his disciples. Uh, Jesus 
entered the race. Jesus has finished the race. And that's what the Hebrew author says over and over again. He is sitting at the Father's right hand in the place of honor and the place of authority. Jesus has crossed the finish line and he is enjoying his victory in heaven. He endured it. And boy, did he ever endure it. The beating, the scourging, and hanging for six hours trying to breathe on a cross. But listen to what the author says about the endurance that Jesus had. He says, Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. See, that's what's going on here. They, these people, are, are, are um, they, they've become weary and they're, they're giving up because of persecution. But then he says, after all, you have not yet given your lives in, uh, in your struggle against sin. In other words, you ain't dead. You may have gotten beaten. You may have been put in jail, but you, you're still alive. You can keep going. He said, look what they did to Jesus. These sinful people, they killed Jesus. And look what's happened to Jesus. He's sitting at the Father's right hand. And so we look to the champion, Jesus, our champion. We look to his example, and we're to draw strength from his example. We're to draw strength from what Jesus endured and what he went through. We get encouragement from Jesus, and we can catch that second win and to keep going. And if you know anything about sports, if you ever play sports, you know exactly what I'm talking about, about catching win. And, and that second win and to keep going and not giving up. Um, when I was a kid, uh, I, I loved wrestling. My aunt loved wrestling. My, my two cousins uh, as, absolutely loved uh, wrestling. And we would go just about every Monday night to either Jackson or Memphis to watch the local wrestling. And uh, it would be... And this is back when wrestling was real wrestling. I mean, I mean, it wasn't real. I know it wasn't real. I shouldn't say that, but it was. It wasn't as fake as what they got today, where they're doing all these special moves and stuff. I mean, uh, well, this is when, back when Jerry Lawler was. Uh, there, he, he is the king for a reason. Um, Bill Dundee and Handsome Jimmy Valiant. Woo! And uh, uh, the uh, was it the Moon Dogs, and they, they carried the Big Bone, uh, Tojo Yamamoto, uh, Andre the Giant, Hulk Hogan, of course, uh, uh, Dusty Rhodes. I mean, uh, oh, Har- was it Harley? Harley Race? I can't remember now. But there's so many of the gr- the old timey greats, and I got to see them live. Yeah, he had Lance Russell. Uh, the announcer, the Mid-South Wrestling, and Dave Brown uh, in Memphis, uh, some good good times. Um, but I, I, you know, I was talking about Jerry Lawler being the king. The guy won, if, if this number is right, that I, I just got it off the internet, but it says he won 168 championships. So he was the, re- he was the king for a reason because uh, he was good. But I, I remember... Uh, just watching him wrestle and he'd be getting beat up and you know and he's getting whooped the whole match and then when it's getting close to the end of the match he'll be getting punched and also you can see it it's just like a light switch turned on he'd get punched and he just he'd just take it punch and he'd just take it punched again and he'd just take it and next thing you know 
he steps back and all of a sudden that that uh he he'll grab that strap from his jersey and he'll pull that strap down and when that strap comes down you might as forget it it's over he's gonna beat your tail and he just start waylaying on, on whoever he was wrestling and you know nine times out of ten jerry lawler would end up winning the match and i i, I remember it's like yesterday how uh there there was this little old man who would be close to the ring and and he would uh, get the uh bad guy's attention and he would turn his butt toward the the ring and he'd point to his butt and he'd start shaking his butt to the to to the bad guys it, it was just so funny uh when he did that but i would go home after those wrestling matches and cuz i was so small i'm still small now i was really small then um and, and my bed became a wrestling ring and 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 i even had a third rope from my headboard I, was my third rope and i'd jump off the 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 third rope and you know and my pillows were uh the bad guys and and i'd let them beat me up for a while and i'd beat them up but then the next thing you know i'm 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 here you know i'm i'm pulling a jerry lawler i'm getting mad i'm taking their punches and and off comes the strap and i'll just start whipping my pillows and slamming them you know into the turnbuckle and coming off that top rope and and you know the next thing you know i would get the victory why because i was simulating the champ jerry the king lawler and jerry the king lawler did not lose well this is exactly what the hebrew author is is telling his readers he's saying fix your eyes on jesus he he's already crossed that finish line he is our champion and so we're to look to jesus and simulate jesus we're to find strength because jesus endured a lot of stuff and so we're, we're to be like jesus and and we look to jesus no matter what's going on in our lives no matter if we're in the valley or if we're climbing the mountain or if we're up on the mountaintop we can always keep our eyes on Jesus, and he will help us. He will give us strength. It's like when Stephen was being stoned, and, and, and Stephen looked up and he saw Jesus. It's, it's the only place that I know of in Scripture where, you know, because it talks about J- Jesus being seated at the Father's right hand. But when Stephen was being stoned, and you can imagine the pain that he's dealing with, but the heavens open up and Stephen says, Look, I see Jesus. He is standing at the Father's right hand. And it's kind of like Jesus was standing and saying, giving approval, and he says, I'm here for you, Stephen. You're the first martyr, and, and, and you're staying faithful. You've been faithful. You're, you're about to come on up here with me. And so we keep our eyes on our champion. We simulate our champion, and we draw strength from our champion because he is here to help, especially in our desperate times of need. And I'm going to go one more thing. I want to end with this one last thing that the author said about Jesus, our champion. He said that he endured the pain. He endured the cross. And there was a driving force behind him, driving him to finish the race. And and that thing that was driving Jesus was a three-letter word, joy. J-O-Y, joy. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. 
Think of all the hostility you endure from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you've not given your lives and your struggle against sin. You want joy today? You have to cross the finish line because joy is found in Jesus. People today, they're searching for happiness. I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. Um, here's the thing about happiness and joy. Joy is much more deeper than happiness because happiness depends on our outside outside circumstances. Like right now, I'm thirsty. And so I got this glass of water. Now I'm going to take a drink. Well, that ice cold water, it my my uh, it, it was wet, and so it, it 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 wet my dry mouth, and so it's easier for me to talk. It it it, it made me happy because it, it's cold water at that, and and so it, it it quenched my thirst. It it satisfied my need. Therefore, I'm happy. But if that cup was empty, and there were there there wasn't any more water in the cup. Well, guess what? I'm not going to be very happy because I'm still going to be thirsty. My mouth is still going to be dry. And I'm going to struggle trying to finish this podcast. But it had water, cold water. Therefore, I'm happy. But you know what? Joy says it didn't matter if that cup had water in it or not. It didn't matter if there was if that cup was bone dry. It didn't even matter if the cup was even available. I'm still still having joy why because i'm alive i'm breathing i'm on this side of the grass i I can see i can taste i can smell i'm able to to thirst i can move about have my band there's so many blessings that we take for granted each and every day of our lives that we just we just don't think anything of it and and there's a, a contentment that comes with joy and that's what paul talks about being content and no matter what he says no matter if i'm in the good times or the bad times i I, i'm content in every situation why because he's full of joy he's full of jesus and that's where true happiness comes from that's where real joy if you will comes from and that is jesus joy is consistent happiness is not happiness depends on what's going on in my life but joy is always there. And the only place to find joy, true joy, is in Jesus. And here's the thing about it. We'll have joy for eternity because joy is found in Jesus and we will be with Jesus for eternity. We will be with Jesus, our champion. We will literally be able to see him with our eyes. We will be able to hug him, shake his hand, say thank you, to praise and worship him for eternity. That is awesome. So, do you want joy? It's only found in Jesus. If you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, you don't have joy. You don't have real joy. You may have artificial joy. You may have joy in some things, but you don't have true joy because it only comes from Jesus. And if I can help you get to know Jesus, tell you how to become a Christian, how to to start your walk with Jesus, if you've already made that decision, if I can encourage you in any way to keep walking with Jesus, life has gotten you down, hard times have come your way, anything that I could pray with you about, 
help you with, please contact me at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com and I will quickly get back with you. And if you're not local, I'll help, some, I'll help you find somebody in your area that will bless you, that will help you in your walk and it will answer your questions as well. But God bless you. Thank you for listening today. Uh, we will continue Hebrews chapter 12 in the next podcast. Keep grinding. Thank you for listening to the Grinded Podcast today. May God bless you. If you have any comments or questions, you can email them to us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like Randy to come and speak at your church or your next event, you can contact him through that same email address. Also, I would like to thank Jody Foster's Army, also known as JFA, for their song, Abba, as we use for our intro and our outro off their untitled 1984 album. May God bless you, and remember, keep your eyes on Jesus and keep grinding.